good with that, Ross. I've changed over just in case you didn't pick it up. Uh, I, I wanted to talk, talk today about something that I, I, I actually tend to think that the enemy twists, um, that God uses, but the enemy twists and uses against us. Yeah, um, a, a lot of the people that are uh, here know or have learned over the years that one of my mentors is Peter McHugh from Stairway. And one of the things that he, he teaches to his church, his congregation, uh, is the fact that it, there are three really important things in life that go to make up who we are, and that's a sense of belonging, who we belong to, a sense of significant, feeling significant, and a sense of security, that we're secure in who we are because of those other things. And somewhere in life, in general, I'm, I, I've said before and I'll suggest again, that the church has stuffed it somewhere, you know, that we have had things back to front and backside about because what the church does is it invites people in and it addresses our behaviour because it wants us to live like Jesus. It addresses our behaviour, tells us how to act, this is what you need to believe and if you can do those things, now you belong, you're one of us. Yeah? But that never works. Yeah, but like I've got kids, I've got five. I haven't failed once. You know what I'm saying? I've got lots of crosses on the board. If you just address behaviour, you never get to the root of the problem, yeah? And when you only address behaviour, you lose a sense of belonging. What the church should do and what we should do is as people walk into the house, we help people feel like they belong first, like they are a part of the family. When they feel like they belong and it's a safe place, it allows them, it opens them up to be able to believe this gospel message that we share, that God sent his son to die on a cross so that we could have a relationship with him. And now in that safe place, because they know they belong, they know they're safe, they start to believe automatically when you walk with the Lord. He does stuff in you that changes your behaviour. Yeah, That's how it should work. And so... Because the church has got it back to front, I want to have a look at this idea of belonging. My suggestion is that every one of us here need to feel like we belong, belong to something, you know, to truth be known. And I think every one of us needs to know that we're chosen by God. But... If we don't know that we belong somewhere, we actually never come to a place where we interact the way that we're supposed to interact. We never show people who we really are because we're too worried about our behaviour. So within each and every one of us, there's an inner subconscious desire to fit in, yeah? to, to belong. It affects the way you dress, the way that you speak with different people, the way you speak to this person. It's not the way that you speak to that person because this person will accept it. And if you spoke like that here, then they wouldn't, you know. We, we, we forever do that. It's a basic human need. The problem for us, though, in all of us, is that we go through stuff, we experience things in life that leave us feeling like we don't belong because of the things that we've experienced or the emotions that we're feeling, or the doubts that we're having. Yeah? It's almost as if it puts us to a place that secludes us from the very things that we want to be a part of. And when we experience emotions of doubt and insecurity in nearly every area of our lives, yeah, when we experience those things, most of us, don't really know what to do with those things. Don't know what to do with those emotions. Don't know what to do with those feelings. And we're certainly not going to share them. There's no way I'm going to share them. Because if I share them, then you might see me as weak. Yeah. And if I share them, I, I might actually be really embarrassed because some of the stuff that I'm, I'm struggling with is actually embarrassing. Yeah. And when push comes to shove, when I'm already there, then I'm just going to be totally ashamed. Yeah, and shame kicks in. Yeah, and shame is vicious. 
like totally, totally vicious. See, for me, shame is one of the main culprits that causes you and I to feel like we don't belong at times, yeah? And so with all that's happening in life, with all of that, and then we, we're processing this stuff in a split second. I felt like that. I did. Oh, I can't believe I did that. I said that. I should have. And we're in this place where we feel totally exposed and vulnerable and we don't know what to do with everything that we've just been through and everything that we've just experienced and all that we're feeling. It's really interesting the way the enemy works and how he twists things. Because what we experience, he leads us to a place where we feel vulnerable, that if people found out the stuff that we were going through, then we just certainly wouldn't belong. Yeah? Yet it's our vulnerability and being vulnerable is the very thing that helps us to belong. I just He twists it, you know? It's a weapon. Vulnerability is a weapon in the hand of Father God. It flat out is a weapon in his hand. And, and what the enemy uses to stop us, God uses to propel us. Like, the way he does that is just awesome. You know, I've shared in the past at different times, you know, different emotions and struggles and negative thoughts. In fact, I had a friend once say to me, oh, that's enough, Andrew, you shared too much of your of yourself, you know, too much of what you're going through. <sighs> Haven't got to the bottom of the well yet. <laughs> you know, like, I've only been here nine years. Give me another nine. By that stage, I would have th- maybe I'll hit quartz by then, you know, and I'll get to the good stuff. I'll get to the gold. But to talk about this, I've got to be vulnerable, vulnerable myself. So, you know, there are times where, you know, in having been married 17 years to Mel, there are times I think, am I a good husband? Am I doing this well enough? Am I a good father? Because at one minute my kids love me and the next minute they're not sure if they love me. Wasn't going to go that far. Let's not. I want to expose too much of myself there. Come on. <laughs> you know, it, with, with the pastoring of the church, you know, the core, I've always believed and I still believe that church and church families is like, like a fruit. It's like an apple. If the core is good, no matter what it looks like on the outside, the fruit is good. Yeah. But you can have something that looks beautiful on the outside, but if the core is rotten, the thing's rotten to the core, yeah? So a- am I pastoring well enough? Am I leading the church well enough? A- a- you know, do I do this stuff right? Do I not do this stuff right? Just all sorts of things. Why am I, what, am I spending enough time in prayer? Why am, I, why am I spending more time on the Xbox? I just had a happy thought with Xbox. Let me go back there. No. <laughs> you know, do I have a strong enough faith? Yeah, are the sermons good enough? Just a thousand things, you know? That's just my life, and, and that's only a little bit. Imagine each and every one of us, if we were to share legitimately, legitimately, the stuff that goes through our heads at times in our minds, yeah? And, because, and then when those things start to stir, then, then we've got questions within us that leave us feeling confused. Sometimes we feel a bit hopeless. I had a minister's prayer breakfast on Thursday and I met with a couple of the guys. And Thursday, I can only say that after Thursday come Friday, I think I shared with Jen here in the office, Thursday I had this sense of hopelessness. I had someone share with me something that was happening and I spoke into that. And it was almost like what was happening to them thought, oh, you're going to speak life there. Well, the enemy thought, I'm going to come back onto you. And there was just a sense of hopelessness. I remember picking up Samuel and I was sitting on the grass outside of Christian College and uh, another pastor, uh, Tim Clark, rolled up and he goes, how are you going? You know, because we were together in the morning and I said, I just feel this hopelessness. I can't describe it. He goes, are you, are you doing okay? I go, I know that Jesus is our hope. I, I know that everything will be all right. But at the moment, there's just this sense of hopelessness, you know, and we just talked about it and... We prayed, you know, and I can't say that it went away. About 10 past 10, Thursday night, I fell asleep on the couch somewhere after 7 o'clock because I, f- I just wasn't in a good state. And about 10 past 10, I woke up, and as I woke, I, I, I've been unwell, and I was still unwell. I could feel that I was unwell, but I felt lighter. It was like that, those thoughts, those things were gone, you know. 
And so we have these things that we experience in life that leave us feeling confused, hopeless. We, sometimes we despair, fear comes, you know. And if truth be told, most of us, if not all of us in this room, except for those of you that walk on water at times, have experienced similar emotions, yeah? There's another truth that's in, sort of in the middle of all that. People around us would never know all any of that stuff because most of us never share it. You know, we just get through life every day and we wake up. We go to bed and we wake up and we go to bed and we spit the dummy there and we have a good day here and we're in a fetal position over there and we're going for a run and we're crying and we're laughing and, oh, I think I'll have a wine, I'll have a coffee, I'll go to bed, wake up in the morning. I know it's none of you, but generally that's how life works for many. And we never share what we go through. We couldn't possibly share those things because with each, if we shared them with each other, it would leave us looking and feeling vulnerable. So instead of finding a way um, to deal with it, we actually find ineffective, hopeless ways uh, of dealing with the emotion and the feelings. We hide them, yeah, we dismiss them, we discount them. We keep ourselves so busy that we forget them for the time. Sometimes we point the fingers at, you know, the finger at somebody else just to take the attention off us. There's no attention on us, but that's how it feels. Yeah? You know, we even get to a place sometimes where we share our own opinions that make us feel better about us. Also, we don't have to experience feeling and being vulnerable because vulnerability may leave us in shame or feeling ashamed. And if we're feeling that way, that's going to lead us to not belonging. Because how could they want to have me in that, in them, amongst them, you know? You and I have a need to feel connected to others. That's how God made us. That's the beauty of how God made us. We're not meant to be hermits living on a mountain alone. We're just not we're not wired that way. Yes, yeah, some people are introverted, but they still need people. And some people are extroverted, but they still need some of their space. In amongst it all, the common thread is they, we still need each other. Yeah. And if we don't connect or feel like we don't fit in, we just have this constant sense of, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not attractive enough. I don't suffer with that one much. Um, I'm not successful enough, you know. And the feeling of shame just leaves us feeling vulnerable. And the feeling of shame stops us reaching and fulfilling God's purpose and destiny for our life. And that's the saddest part, that it does that, that it robs us, yeah. We, if you look at Jeremiah, I, I should use some scripture. In Jeremiah chapter, six, chapter 1, verse 6, and it reads, O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you, I'm too young. So here's Jeremiah, and he's saying, I'm too young. He's already assuming that the people will think about his age. Yeah? He's already painted a picture in his mind about himself. You know, they're going to tell me that I'm too young. They'll think I'm not the right person to speak for you, God. They'll ridicule me because of my age. Like, really, God asks him to do something. Imagine God comes to you, says, Laurie. I need you to do this. And Laurie says, I can't. I'm not fit enough. I know that's funny because we know he's super fit, right? But it would be different if I had said that. Um, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Or, 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 or God comes up to Ryan and says, Ryan, I need you to do this. And you go, I, I can't. I'm too young. I just want to slow down for a minute. He's God. I think he knows how old you are how young you are, what you're capable of, what you're not capable of. I, I, I'm just going to put it out there. I don't think he was making a mistake when he was speaking to Jeremiah. I don't think as Jeremiah said, I'm too young, God said, I didn't catch that. I am so glad you brought that to my attention. Hey, what about if I come back, there's a guy named Noah. I, I waited 100 years. What about if I come back in 100 years? Will that be okay? You know, like it didn't catch God by surprise here yet. For Jeremiah, 
He's like, they're my people. I don't want to go. If I do this thing that God wants me to do, I'm not going to connect with them anymore. I won't belong to them anymore. I'm going to be ostracized, not only for my age, but for what God wants me to do. If I speak, they'll mock me. I can't do it, God. I can't speak. I won't speak. I'm too young. I love it. It's almost like he goes, nah, I'm not going to do it. In that one moment, he vomits up all of his insecurity in just a few words. I'm too young. How many times have we sat at home alone or at work in a car, shopping centre, pushing a trolley, and we've said two or three words that have just been us just spewing up all of our, all of our insecurity in a moment because of a thought that's just come. I can't speak for you, I'm too young. And because of that, the possible shame that he could see, he almost misses his destiny. The beauty in that little passage, in speaking out his brokenness, he speaks out his breakthrough. Yeah, I love the way God works. See, we need to remember that Jeremiah spoke out what he was thinking. Yeah, Many of us go through stuff and we never speak out what we're thinking. We never speak out what we're going through. We never speak out what we're feeling, yeah? our emotions. Yet he actually has the courage to speak it out to God. And it's in that place of brokenness that we, he speaks out his breakthrough. See, as he speaks what he's already feeling, what he's, ex, what he's already experiencing, the saving grace, Jeremiah's saving grace here, is that he spoke the feelings out. And as he showed his insecurity to the Lord, the Lord dealt with it. Imagine if we could do that. Hey, God, it's been a really tough week, and I found that I'm drinking too much. Something that we would never share with anyone else. Hey, Lord, it's been, it's been horrible. I, I keep being drawn back on the computer to pornography. Hey, Lord, I'm in this place and I keep feeling this pull, this tug, and I keep going. Imagine if we had the courage like Jeremiah to say, I'm too young to be vulnerable enough. And I, I love God. This is how we know he's such a loving father because he vomits his insecurity, yeah? And then Jeremiah, in chapter 1, verse 7, the Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. God comes to his rescue because he speaks and places himself totally open, totally vulnerable before the living God. You know, Brene Brown was doing a study on shame and vulnerability and she came up with this. She discovered that vulnerability is the birthplace, you're going to love it, of love and belonging. Of love and belonging. Now for me, that's the message of Jesus. Love and belonging is the message of the gospel. Yeah? God turns the way the world works on its head and takes what looks like weakness and powerlessness and he turns it into the power of love, grace and joy. That's what God does. See, being vulnerable around those that love us, actually, it brings us into a place of true belonging. And many of us don't actually have deep friendships because we've never been totally vulnerable with people. Now, there's some wisdom here, you know. You're not going to vomit all your insecurity to someone you don't know. Let's face it. Some people might turn and go, ah, you know, right? I wasn't ready for that. I only asked you how you were. <laughs> Any, you know, so some of you have already got pictures of people you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that person. Yeah. So you, you've actually resorted now to say, hi, <laughs> just as you walk by. Unfortunately, most of society and most of us believe that to be vulnerable is to be weak. Yeah. Um, this happened years ago, but it's just happened again in the last week. And my son Nathan's been frightened going to bed like legitimately frightened like fearful and so you've got to really pray for him and sit with him and it, you, you actually sense him relaxed in his body and then he goes to sleep now some of you might say oh that must be a demonic attack pray yeah i know you know let's great that's fantastic we'll do that we'll put oil over the doorpost and we'll do all that sort of stuff and, and we'll have the incantations and kill a chicken and we'll do all that yeah just to make sure it's all done and dealt with but my way of dealing with fear like that is like, it's bedtime, go to bed. I'm scared. I don't care. You've slept in here before, you'll sleep in here again. 
close your eyes, I'm shutting the door. I'm out of here. I'm scared. No, you're not. You're not scared. You're not scared at all. That's just ridiculous that you'd ever feel that way. Mel always pulls me up and says, you don't hear their heart, love. You're not hearing what he's saying. Oh, no, I heard. He said he's scared and I told him he's not, you know. Mel has a totally different way of dealing with that. And her way is to acknowledge it, yeah. Her way is to bring it to the table. Her way is to say, oh, look, it's terrible that you feel scared. You know, do you know why? Well, let's pray about that. Let's just sit here for a little bit. And as they talk about it, as, they, as he actually, as she allows him in a safe place to be open, honest and vulnerable, they deal with the issue of what he's feeling, yeah? Yet for so many of us, little things like that, you know, is a sign of weakness, But Mel's learnt, you know, not to deny it or hide it or talk it away, but expose it and slowly dig it out. I think she's right. She's not here. I'll never say it again. <laughs> but, but even though most people believe that to be vulnerable is to be weak, in reality it's the place of courage and healing, Yeah. Courage to face the insecurity, to face shame, to face the fear of belonging, yeah? There are very few kids that like going to a brand new school where they don't, or a new club where they don't know someone. They, they, from the youngest of ages, we want to belong, yeah? And allowing God to do a deeper work is a place of courage, strength and victory. The minute that we believe the lie, we've been learning this in our friendship group, uh, on a Wednesday, the minute that we believe a lie of the enemy, we empower him over our lives. So it's like this. We know that Jesus died on the cross. We know that the blood was shed has cleansed us from all sin. It hasn't postponed our punishment. It's dealt with our punishment. We are now valued in his eyes. We are worthy because of what he's done. We know that's the truth. Yeah. So the minute the enemy starts to speak against Anything within us, our value, our worth, who we are, are you good enough, all of that stuff, that's now going against, the enemy is now going against what the truth is. And so if we don't abide in the truth and we start to listen to what the enemy says, what we do in that moment is we hand over authority for him to have his way in our life and to knock us about. Yeah, we have given him authority because we've believed the lie. That's all we had to do. And so we, why am I feeling so hopeless today? Because I'm listening to the liar. I've got to somehow refocus back on God, yeah? The minute that we believe the lie the enemy is selling us is the moment we give authority over to him. Think about it. Think about it with relationships. The most intimate, life-giving yeah, relationships are the ones where we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, truly vulnerable, to let our authentic selves be seen the good and the bad, yeah, every side of us. They're the deepest relationships. You've wept with people, laughed with people, cried with people, been disgusted with people, yeah, wrestled with people. There's a song that we sing here by United Pursuit called Met by Love and the lyrics in the chorus are we can run straight into your arms unafraid because every time we need you we're met by love. So there's nothing that God doesn't already know. There's nothing that he doesn't already know. There's, there's nothing that's going to catch him by surprise. And if we have the courage to bring our insecurities like Jeremiah to him, we will always be met by love, yeah? And he will heal us. He'll restore us. He'll make us whole. <laughs> we, just, we just have an enemy that's really good at twisting stuff, don't we? Yeah? And why is vulnerability so hard for so many of us? It just leaves us open, open to people's thoughts and opinions. And I don't know about you, but I don't want anyone thinking ill of me. I hate it when people think ill of me. I go over and above to make sure that people think well of me. The funny thing is, the more that I do that, the more ill of me they think. <laughs> but I just want you to like me. It's all right. I'm just being vulnerable. Yeah? <laughs> 
that, and most of, us, most of us live in this space, yeah? Remember, it was the perceived thoughts. It was his perceived thoughts, Jeremiah's perceived thoughts and opinions that almost stole his destiny. He didn't know that people were going to think he was too young. He just goes, I'm too young. They're going to think I'm too young. You know, there's that really old saying, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Names do hurt. Yeah? They actually do hurt. Please hit me with a stick instead. <laughs> like, just a small one. You know, I want to suggest that a majority of us have grown up with a mindset and we've been taught by parents, we've been taught and shaped by the culture to be strong, you know, not to be weak. Don't be weak. Don't cry in public. Don't do that. <laughs> Pull yourself together. You don't really feel like that. Don't be stupid. Men don't cry. Get over it. Suck it up, princess. Would you like a spoon of cement? You know, like, no one's ever heard any of that, have they? No, that's right. Just me growing up in the western suburbs. Anyway, get over it, Andrew. Then when we see how people react to those being vulnerable and open, because we have such a judgmental society, and if it's not just in the community, it's Christians against Christians, yeah? Ridiculous. It causes us to not be vulnerable when we see what's happening around us because deep down, whether you know it or not, whether you want to agree with me or not, I'm telling you right now, you all have an inner subconscious desire to belong. I can't share that. It's too embarrassing. So we sweep those emotions and feelings under the carpet so that they can never be exposed. Never feel ashamed, never ridicule. My old pastor used to say, if you sweep enough under the carpet, eventually it leaves a nice little mound and eventually you'll trip up on it. Yeah? We never share our real selves, so people don't really know who we are. And our stories and our journeys, they're important, but I want to say this, and I apologise for those that think differently, but they're not meant to be private. Yes, you can have private moments, but our journeys, our lives, they're to be shared. That's how God created us, yeah? To share intimate details with each other, the lives, for those that you trust, for those that you're building those intimate relationships with, yeah? Not with everyone. <laughs> Maybe the answer isn't, you know, when someone asks you, are you okay? Maybe the answer isn't I'm doing okay or yeah, it's been a great week or I'm living the dream. Maybe they're not the answers for everyone. Maybe some of the answers should be it's actually been a tough week. Actually, you've got time? I, I, I could use a friend. I wouldn't mind a coffee. Maybe they should be the real answers for some of us, you know, at different times of our life. Could really use your prayer right now. I can give you some of the detail. Can you... Can you pray here? You know, maybe that should be where we're living. But it's hard. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. I've been a Christian for so long. This is the best one. How can I still struggle with this stuff? Yeah? Oh, the more mature you are as a Christian, the, old, the longer you've been someone who has faith that's walked with the Lord, the more pig-headed and stubborn we become when it comes to sharing stuff vulnerably. We, we can't tell them that. Oh, my goodness. I've spoken into this person's life and this person's life and this person's life and this person's life. If they know I think that, no, I'll just keep it to myself. Let's not be those people. Being vulnerable is confronting. It's not a comfortable place to be. It's not a comfortable way to live. So we, we avoid it. And sometimes when you're vulnerable, people get the wrong idea. They think that you're falling apart. I've shared stuff before and I've, I've had people say, and they mean well, please, they mean well, and I mean well in this comment. You know what? Let me just give you a hug. I don't want a hug! I'm just going through something! So I'm sharing it! Sometimes we just need to share it. We just need people there, yeah? 
No person wants to talk about addictions of alcohol, anger, you know, struggles that we have. You don't want to tell people that, oh, I was at home with the kids and I flew off the handle. None of us ever do that. John, John's thinking, oh, I'm, yeah, I can see that in that pastor for sure. <laughs> we don't want to let people know that we have doubts in our faith when we're trying to lead them in faith. But maybe it's those very conversations that strengthen us, that give us some resolve, that build us into the people that God has called us to be, yeah? You know, a lot of people avoid being vulnerable by numbing the uncomfortable feelings. The issue is that when you numb the uncomfortable feelings, like embarrassment and guilt and shame, there, there, there's, there's a, a, a side effect. And that side effect is that you also numb joy and love and gratitude. So you can't just numb one or two. If you're going to numb an emotion, a feeling, let me tell you, it just blankets you right across the board. Yeah. And when you live like that, you become emotionless. Your joy is stolen. Yet the joy of the Lord is supposed to be our strength, isn't it? And we never end up living abundantly as God intended us to live. And we look like we're always sucking on those bitter lemons. Ever met people like that? You know, hi, how you going? <laughs> no one's neighbour. <laughs> hi, neighbour. The boys, their ball went over the fence. <laughs> anyway, I won't talk about that. My neighbour might listen to this one day. The truth is that learning to be vulnerable gives us great strength and it's a power that can't be taken away and it's a paradox that's hard to understand because being vulnerable, as far as the world is concerned, is showing weakness but facing and embracing vulnerability or vulnerable thoughts and emotions might be difficult to do but it's the key to being whole. Yeah, It's the absolute key to being whole. We can't allow what... The world has taught us what the enemy has slipped in, that vulnerability is weakness. We can't believe that lie because when we believe it, we empower it in our lives. Yeah? That's what the Bible talks about, bringing the darkness to the light because it's in that place and space that darkness must flee. But I want to say this, it's not just about keeping a secret between us and God. Who knows, you can go through something or be feeling things and you share it with God. And then you share it with God again. And then you share it with God again. And then you share it with God again. Like, I know this is only me. And you realise you've been keeping a secret. Oh, God, I'm never going to do that. I'm so sorry I did. I promise I'm never going to do that. Oh, I'm so sorry I did. Oh, dear God, I'm never... Sometimes we can't just keep it a secret. We need to find friends, men and women of God that are in our lives, that we're walking with, that we're building that deep relationship with that we can share with them because when you bring the darkness to light the darkness must flee and accountability works wonders when you're struggling with stuff yeah and the good news is this <laughs> see the whole gospel the message i think is totally a message of vulnerability we know god loves his creation genesis 2 7 tells us that that he that that he breathed life into us. And so Father God creates man, his children, and his plan for us yeah, is to have a relationship with him, to flat out have a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords, that we can sit with the creator, the one who created the, the stars and the moon and the trees and the grass, who did all of that, yeah, to sit with him and actually have conversation with him where we can hear him may not be an audible voice, but there are moments where you know, you know, you know, and you know that God has spoken into your heart. He, he does everything so we can have relationship with him. But we know the story that man mucked it up. Adam and Eve mucked it up. How literal you want to be, you can go there. Um, you know, Eve decides she wants to eat of the fruit. Adam let her do it. You know, there's man's first mistake. He let his wife do something. No, scrap that. That didn't come out right. That didn't come out right. 
But, you know, so they did all of that. And then we know because of that, they were thrown out of the garden. Then this relationship that God had wanted and had designed man for was broken, yeah? Adam, feeling totally ashamed, knew automatically that he didn't belong, hiding behind a bush, did all that sort of stuff. And God was hurting. Genesis 6, 5 and 6 says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted. You've got to read that. The Lord regretted that he'd made human beings on earth and his heart was deeply troubled. That's like you pour your whole life into a relationship. This is my soulmate. This is the one. And you sell up everything, do anything to be with that person. And they turn around and do something the exact opposite. You and I would feel the same because we're created in his image. Yeah, We feel like the inside of us has been ripped out, we would feel. And so here's God feeling like that. And so he takes the very thing that we're running from, that will feel, that, that, the thing that will help us feel like we belong, or in this case, stops Adam feeling like that he belongs. And he uses it to help us belong again. Adam's feeling open, honest, and vulnerable. He's totally ashamed. He knows he's done wrong. He's got this insecurity and this doubt because of what transpired. And so he's hiding. He doesn't know if he fits in anymore. And then God's going to use that yeah, to restore what he originally created an opportunity to have relationship with him. So what does God do to bring us back into right relationship? He sends Jesus to die on a cross, yeah? But get this. So if we can believe in, the, in this act, we now can come back into a right relationship. But here's where vulnerability, this is where he takes all of this, this, this sense of belonging and shame and vulnerability and puts it into action. See, Jesus for me reveals a totally vulnerable God, a totally vulnerable God. He's so vulnerable that he, God, is about to die on a cross. I reckon that's pretty vulnerable. In fact, he's marching himself there. That's pretty vulnerable. He's so vulnerable that he's about to be ridiculed by creation itself. Yeah? He's so vulnerable that he knows he's about to be spat on yeah, and beaten. Has anyone ever been spat on? Like spat on? I remember, I don't know why I remember this, yeah. I was in primary school in grade six. Yeah, it would have been grade six, grade five or six, and we had a new student come along. His name was Amundo, and you've got to say it, Amundo, because he was fresh off the boat. Family had just come from overseas, yeah. And I was going to Corpus Christi in Kingsville in Ormond Road, I remember. Yeah, and we would pick on Amundo all the time because he couldn't speak English, yeah. Just couldn't speak English. And one day after school, being a good, you know, however old you are in grade 6, 11, 12-year-old, I'm like having a go at a mundle, you know, like I'm saying some choice words. And he spat on me. But he just didn't spit. I want you to picture it. He hoiked it. Like he, like this thing was an oyster flying through the air, yeah? And when it hit my face, it was warm. And I, st- or I, I, yeah, See how you feel? That's how I felt. And I'm like, like I remember myself dry reaching with this thing sliding down my face. Our God was so vulnerable, yeah, that he knew, you've got to get it. He knew he was going to be spat on. He knew he was going to be beaten so that he could restore the relationship with us. And if that's, not a moment of weakness. I don't know what is. The significance of it is huge because Jesus, the Son of God, is battling with this open and vulnerability as a man. Yeah? Luke twenty two forty two 42 says, Father, if you're willing, please take the cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not my will. Vulnerability hurts. If you're going to be an open, honest person, I'm just going to put it out there. It, there are times where it hurts. And there are times that you're not going to want to face it. And there are times that you're not going to want to share it. There are times that you're not going to want to speak it. It's that moment of vulnerability and shame that the world will look at forever. Forever. 
for over 2,000 years and churches across the globe, different denominations and sometimes some really weird theology, but we're still looking at it because it becomes a place of celebration. Jeremiah, his brokenness, I am too young, became his place of breakthrough. His place of brokenness, his place of vulnerability became his place of celebration. Yeah? So the cross is not a shield for Jesus. It's not a force field that will protect him, unfortunately. They would even mock him in his time when he was on the cross. Matthew 27 says, he saved others. They scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now and we will believe in him. The cross is not a shield for the Lord. It's the absence of one, total vulnerability. It's not like the cross you make for a vampire in the movies and they all run away. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, awesome. Actually, it does work like that for some people. (laughs) I just think that what the Lord did is the ultimate sign of vulnerability and it's measured by the capacity to be hurt. He was hurt, Papa was hurt, Jesus was hurt. But he knew something that we didn't and most of us still don't. Though he was the one being vulnerable, though... Those around him mocked him, though he should have been consumed by shame. Look what happens. This is what happens if you and I can actually live a vulnerable life with each other. Colossians 2.15, And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The minute you and I can be like Jeremiah and step up and say, Hey, you know what? I'm too young hey, I'm struggling with this, I'm too old, hey, I can't do this, I find I'm pulled here. The minute that we bring ourselves to that place of what should be public humili- you know, humiliation, yeah, we actually place ourselves in victory's lane. We actually place ourselves of celebration. We actually take what should humiliate us and we humiliate the enemy. We take the lie that has been so spoken over all of us for so long that don't be vulnerable, that lie that has empowered the enemy in our life and we've taken that and we give power back to God. Yeah. You know, I love the way... Our God asks us, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily, yeah? And follow me. The mark of a Christian is vulnerability. The mark, hear me. The mark of a Christian is vulnerability. You and I, all of us in this place, we could be remarkable people in the kingdom. We are already. But imagine if we could actually just bring our insecurities to bear. Imagine as you share what you're going through, because I'll tell you what happens when you do that. When you share what you're going through, someone else says, oh, I'm going through that. How did you walk through it? Well, I haven't yet. I'm struggling with it. Well, let's talk about this stuff together. You know, I'm struggling with alcohol. Really? I used to drink a bit. I don't anymore. You don't? What did you do? Well, let's talk about it. If we could only share that. I'm struggling in my faith. I I, I believe there's a God and I believe he can heal people and I've seen him heal people. But when it comes to me, it's not that I don't believe it. It's just that I don't see it for me. Yeah, I used to be like that. Let's talk about that. Imagine if we brought that to the table. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. (laughs) So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardship and the persecutions and the troubles and the confusion, and the doubt, and the fear, and the despair that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why don't we stand? If we have a guitar, would that be all right? Yeah, thank you. Would you like me to play it?
So I believe that we can have vulnerability that we share together as a community of faith. I believe that we can share our stories and our journeys together that actually make us stronger. And like Paul, I believe that vulnerability and being vulnerable is the key to transformation. For us as individuals, like, I want to be the best me for all those around me, yeah? So the only way for that to happen is I have to be open. I have to be vulnerable. I have to be able to say I'm not winning in that part. I need to be able to sit with Mel and say, hey, we need to work on this. We speak here often of our friend Mike Skews, the Christian counsellor that we go and see. Not because we're broken as in, oh, but because we're broken and we want to see breakthrough, yeah? Because the best us is the best us for all of those that are around us. How can we truly worship a living God if there's still stuff in our lives where we don't fully trust Him with it, yeah? For us to grow as a community, as a family, is to journey together and carry each other's burdens. And if we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable in those places and spaces that for some of us we have hidden for so long. Imagine when restoration comes, when healing comes, when wholeness comes, when freedom comes. Yeah. That burden, like that day on Thursday, that sense of hopelessness when I opened my eyes, I remember 10 past 10. I woke up and Mel goes, you should go to bed. I said, no, no. I go, I just, I feel better. I just feel better. She goes, but you're still coughing. I go, no, I'm sick, but I feel better. And he asked her what I did at 10 past 10. I turned on the Xbox. And I sat, I did. And I sat there for the next hour playing because I just, it was like someone had come over. And while I was asleep, it was like they lifted this thing off me. And when I woke, it was like, oh my goodness, it's not there. And Mel goes, I've been praying for you all night while you've been on the couch. I go, thank you, now I can play Xbox. You know, we all need to have stories of victory, yeah? But it requires us to be so courageous in the face of what the enemy says is not right, yeah? But all he's done is taken what God has used God has used vulnerability to bring us back into right relation. He's used vulnerability to show a sense of strength. The enemies tried to use it to show it, show us weakness, and that's just not right. So if I could ask everyone in this place, just for a moment to close your eyes, I want us to pray together. I don't want to have an altar call. I just want to, I want to pray together. Like he said in Colossians, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory. Let's be a people that can say we have shamed the enemy publicly by our victory. Yeah, Because we've stepped forward. I used to struggle with those thoughts, but I've dealt with them. I spoke them out. I got help. Someone's walking with me. Someone's helping me. I used to struggle in my relationship, but I just had to be real about that. And I found out this is what I'm like. And now we've got the best relationship that anyone could ever have. Could you just imagine? So Father, right now in this place and space, God, Lord, we don't want to be Christians that wear masks. Lord, we, yes, God, I guess there are times where you fake it till you make it, but we don't want that to be our life's cry. Lord, we want to be authentic and real. And God, we want to be vulnerable. Lord, in the same way that you were vulnerable in sending your son Jesus to die on a cross, that we might say yes to that relationship. Father, we one, thank you for that sacrifice. And two, God, thank you for that example. Lord, may we be a people that have the inner strength to face all of our doubts all of our confusion, God, all of those feelings and those emotions, God, when we feel like that we're 
that, that you know we don't fit in or we're not belonging God those feelings of despair those people have looked at me funny I'm not wearing the right clothes I'm overweight I'm unfit my kids why are they so unruly at the supermarket it's always mine Father I pray God regardless of any of that Lord that we might be able to walk a path with you that makes us stronger I pray Lord that we would be able to share some of those things with others that together we would be transformed more into the image of your son Jesus with ever increasing glory. That with every passing moment, every passing thought, every trial, every tribulation, Lord, we would step closer into the purpose that you have for us. Father, like Jeremiah, God, you called to him and you gave him a task. And Lord, Lord, insecurity and doubt vomited out. I pray, God, that we would have, one, the courage to see that insecurity and doubt, but to share it with you that you might speak life into it, that like Jeremiah, he went out knowing that you had his back. Lord God, in this place today, we know that you have our back. Father, I thank you for a people that are willing to journey and journey with one another. Lord, I ask that you would teach us all how to live in this space, how to be open, how to be vulnerable, who to be vulnerable with, Lord God. Father, I pray that we would never hide things in our life, Lord, are buried under a rug that we might trip over. Father, lead us, Lord, to the people, Father, that would be able to strengthen us as they share their own journeys. People that can put their arm around us and say, hey, I have been where you've been. I've felt this way. I've experienced that. I've done that. But this is what God has done for me. May, be, may we be a people with a testimony that changes an entire community in Jesus' name. So if that's you, raise your hands to heaven and say, God, I want to be that victorious person today. I want to be that victorious person in you. I want to be able to speak those things that are negative, that the enemy's telling me are a weakness. Lord, that you're going to turn into a strength. God, that's me. Father, see every hand raised, every, every heart opened. And God, do a work now. Holy Spirit, will you just move through the people? Father, will they feel your impartation and your touch and your love and your strength and your power? Lord, even in their thoughts right now, I pray, God, a new thought. I am worthy. I am valuable. I am a great parent. I'm good at my job. I am loved. I do belong. So, Lord, we bless you for this Sunday. Lord, as we all go out today, God, I pray that we would go out that knowing that we belong to your family, one, and that we belong to the family of God, two, and that we belong to this church here as a family as well, three. So, Father, thank you for every heart and soul. Everybody said, have a wonderful day. Don't shy away from vulnerability. It might actually change your life.